So we are working our way through the book of Exodus, the Ten Commandments to be specific. And by the grace of God, over the past three Sundays, we've been able to look at the sin of idolatry. And before we get to the third commandment this morning, just a quick recap. Go back to verses 1 and 2 from Exodus chapter 20, please. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. First commandment, verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and show mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. That's the second commandment. And if you would oppress me and say, what do I think are the most grievous and serious of the commandments? I'm going to suggest the first, the second, and the third. I don't care much for lying, but I can live with it. I don't care much for stealing, but I can live with it. I don't care much for adultery, but I can live with it. I don't care much for killing or murdering, but I can live with it. I don't care much for dishonoring parents, but I can live with it. I don't care much for coveting, which of course is lasting, but I can live with it. But I really feel grieved when it comes to corrupting the nature of Almighty God, having false idols, uh, false gods in the place of the one true God. And that's one of the reasons why so many Catholics and Russian and Greek Orthodox people have a drink problem. Because they've been guilty of idolatry for generations, and even after you are saved, the consequences can still continue on. They can still linger on. I know, just for the record, I don't believe in generational curses. I know many charismatics and Pentecostals, like Derek Prince and others, believe that even after a person is saved, the consequences, like the curses per se, can linger on. I don't believe that. I believe if you are saved... Almighty God, Galatians 3.13, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, becomes a curse for you. He takes all of the curses upon himself. He died a cursed death on the tree. When he said it was finished, it was finished. But the consequences will continue on. If you've got or if you've ever had uh, alcoholic parents, as a child or such, you will experience the consequences. There was a famous British actor called Robert Shaw. His father was an alcoholic and he too was an alcoholic. And he died at the age of 51. If you look at the Kennedy family, Robert Kennedy had a drink problem and his sons had and still do have drink problems. And one of his sons was put before court around 15 or 20 years ago concerning a sexual assault and a murder, I think, for memory. And the judge said, well, I don't care if you've got a drink problem. I don't care if your father was an alcoholic. That's no excuse. So sometimes the consequences can continue. Now, the sin of idolatry will continue. You may have had Catholic parents. You may have Catholic parents. You may have been a Catholic. You may have had statues of Mary, Joseph, Jesus all over your house. You may have bowed down to them when you did the Angelus. You may have prayed to such statues. Maybe your husband's a Catholic. Maybe your wife's a Catholic. Maybe your mother or father is a Catholic. And that's why it says how he will punish such people up until the third and fourth generation. This is the consequences of sin. And this is why it's so important to get saved as soon as you can. But for today, let's look at the third commandment. Look at verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. It could be Jehovah. It could be Yahweh. It could be Jesus. It could be Adonai. It could be El Gabor. It could be Elohim. Almighty God has many names. And like I say, if you would oppress me as to which are the most 
painful and grievous commandments that I feel the most pain when people break. It's the first, it's the second, it's the third. Look at seven again. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou singular. Now remember, the Lord is speaking to around three and a half, perhaps four, no more than five million Jews. He's speaking from the mountain, the mount, like Jesus would speak from the mount, the mountain. And you've got Jews all over the place listening to the voice of the Lord. He is speaking, not Moses. And he's speaking to individuals like you, singular, must be born again. You, singular, must repent or you, singular, will perish. This is what we call personal pronouns. He's not speaking to the nation as a people, even though they are present. He's speaking to each and every one of them. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So... I've been a Christian 17 years, and I can think of many stories, many occasions, many uh, situations over the past 17 years when I've come into contact contact with blasphemers, and we'll discuss that throughout this morning. But be mindful of this one more time, if you will, that nine out of the ten commandments, if you break them, are going to result in the death penalty. Keep your hand there and go to Leviticus, please. Leviticus uh, chapter 24, and I was able to finish Deuteronomy three nights ago, refreshing my mind, renewing my mind, trying to rediscover forgotten uh, truths. You'd be amazed how much you can forget if you don't read the Bible on a regular basis. Leviticus 24, Leviticus 24, look at verse 16, if you will. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him. As well the stranger, as he that is born in the land, when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, triune Lord, but in the context, God is speaking, so we will assume it could be the Father, it could be the Son. The Jews weren't explicitly told about the Trinity. Just for the record, that is a New Testament revelation. He that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall certainly stone him. Elsewhere, fire would be used, never beheading. It's either stoning or via the fire. As well, the stranger, Gentile, as he that is born in the land, when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. Go back to the book of Exodus. So nine outs of the Ten Commandments, if you break them, are going to result in the loss of your life. This is what you call a theocracy. This is what certain groups are looking for. Certain Jews in Israel are looking for a the- theocratic government. They want the third temple to go up. They are awaiting the Messiah. And of course, you know, when the Messiah arrives, it won't be the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll be the Antichrist. And two thirds are going to worship the Antichrist, take the mark of the beast. They're going to blaspheme almighty God. And two thirds of what, six million is around what, four, four and a half million Jews just wiped out. You thought the Holocaust was a pretty serious event. And of course it was 20 million people, not just Jews, but soldiers, civilians, were killed during World War Two, but Israel today is inhabited with around six and a half, seven million Jews. Two thirds going to be wiped out by the Lord. Why? Because they're going to worship the Antichrist. Only a third will turn to the Messiah, be saved, and go into the millennial reign. Seven again. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless, blameless, that taketh his name in vain. Keep your hand there and go to Jeremiah chapter two. Jeremiah chapter 2. There's a wonderful verse from Psalm 119, verse 113, which says, How I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. 
I like that. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Jeremiah chapter 2, Jeremiah chapter 2, look at verse 5, if you will. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Which of you convicteth me of sin? And here, the father probably is speaking, but it could be the son, we're not always aware, or overly sure as to which parts of the Godhead is speaking. But let's say, for argument's sake, the father is speaking. And here the father is speaking to Israel. And he says, what iniquity have your fathers found in me? In other words, what have I done wrong? Can you highlight sin in my life? Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus Christ arrives, second member of the triune God. And the same sort of a question. Which of you convicteth me of sin? That they are gone far from me, no longer walking with me, no longer worshipping me in spirit and in truth. And have walked after vanity and are become vain. Jump down to verse 30. In vain have I smitten your children. They received no correction. Your own sword have devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. In other words, I've been punishing you. I've been chastising you. I said I would do. Book of Hebrews says, if you belong to the Lord, he will chastise you. And if he doesn't chastise you, you are a bastard. You have no spiritual father. You're not saved. If you go through life and life doesn't touch you, and you do what you want to do on a regular basis, and the Lord or society or life in general doesn't touch you, and you can rub along with the world, then the chances are you're not saved. Go to chapter 4, please. Chapter 4. Chapter 4. Look at verse 14, if you will. O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts, how long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. You worship me in vanity, in essence. You don't want to worship me in spirits and in truth. And therefore, what do the Jews do perpetually? They create gods within gods. They create a god in their own image. And they feel more comfortable with such a god. If you are a Catholic, you love Mary. You love the Mass. You love the Pope. Such are your gods. Such are aids to reach the one true God. And of course, he deplores such an approach. Go to Lamentations chapter 2, please. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for he will not hold him blameless, guiltless, that taketh his name in vain. He will punish you. And this uh, this, uh, this subject of blasphemy, the theme or the uh, source subject of blasphemy is trans-testimonial. It covers both testaments. It was wrong in the Old Testament. It is wrong in the New Testament. Lamentations chapter 2, look at verse 14. Thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things for thee, and they have not discovered thine iniquity, to turn away thy captivity, but have seen for thee false burdens and causes of banishment. In other words, they're going to tickle your ears. They're going to tell you what they want you to hear, what you want to hear. And this is a problem today in the body of Christ. A lot of preachers get up and preach a very safe message. Never rock the boat. A lot of these guys will shout and scream at their congregations, but they don't go into the streets. Have you noticed that? They don't go downtown. They don't preach at these homosexual events. They don't take on the Muslims or stand outside City Hall preaching to unsaved politicians. They are very selective, you see. And they won't preach holiness. And yes, of course, you are told to be holy because the Lord is holy. They are very selective as to what they tell you. And of course, you know, if you leave something out of a message, that is lying. You are omitting the full counsel of God. Go to Ezekiel chapter 13. Ezekiel chapter 13. The Jews were chosen to glorify 
and Jehovah. The Jews were chosen to make the Gentiles jealous, so the Gentiles would turn to Jehovah and be saved. The purpose of the church is to do just that, but this time to turn the Jews to Jehovah, to get the Jews saved. Ezekiel 13, look at verse 7 if you will. Have you not seen a vain vision, and have you not spoken a lying divination, whereas ye say, the Lord saith it, or be it, I have not spoken. Could be the Mormons, could be the Jehovah's Witnesses, could be the Seventh-day Adventists, it could be the Catholic Church. It could be Charismatics, it could be Mystics, it could be this person or that person. And someone gets up and says, the Lord told me this, or the Lord told me that. Nearly every single time, they are lying to you. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore behold, I am against you saith the Lord God. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. Again, it could be the Father speaking. It could be the Son. It could even be the Holy Ghost. There are three accounts from the book of Acts where the Holy Ghost and the Spirit, excuse me, the angel of the Lord, that's the Holy Ghost and the angel of the Lord are used interchangeably. And during my study going through the book of Acts around two years ago or so, I made the case that for the New Testament with the death, burial and resurrection and subsequent ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is speaking to people in the book of Acts. Go to Malachi chapter 3. If you're a Trinitarian, this is no problem for you. Father, Son and Spirit, co-equal. All enjoy the same office. Um, but if you are a oneness person or modalist, it's a rather difficult situation to find yourself in. And what normally happens is they go for the plurality of majesty. That's a cop-out if you go for the plurality of majesty. Because the angels didn't create anyone. In fact, I'm not even sure that angels are made in the image of God. Only mankind is made in the image of God. In fact, strictly speaking, only Adam was made in the image of God. We are made in the image of Adam. But that's another subject for another day. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Look at verse 14. Ye have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance, and that we have walked mournfully... Before the Lord of hosts. How has it benefited us Lord? We are Jews. We walk with you. Allegedly. We serve you. Allegedly. We sacrifice to you. Allegedly. How has it benefited us? Ye have said. All of you have said. It is vain. To serve God. Catholics say it's vain. To serve the Lord. They say let's pray to our lady. She hears us. She can intercede for us. They say let's pray to. Previous popes. Which are now saints. Let's pray to Mother Teresa. Who's now a saint. Let's pray to this person or that person. It's not worth going straight to the Lord. He's too busy. And these people in heaven, they believe, can pray with you, intercede for you. Going back to the first commandment, being breached. The second commandment, being breached. And the Lord punishes Catholics, Greek, and also Russian Orthodox for their statues, their images, their idols. He deplores such people. And those Catholics, if they don't repent, are going to be punished. They're going to be cursed. That's the word. They're going to be cursed. That's why a lot of Catholics have a drink problem, a gambling problem. A lot of Catholics like to blaspheme. Some years ago I was told a story concerning my great uncle, who was a Catholic, and yet incidentally he wasn't a blasphemer, interestingly. A lot of Irish are, he wasn't. And on one occasion he was walking down the street with a close friend of his, and I mean a close friend of his, and his friend, another Catholic, blasphemed the name of the Lord. And it upset my great uncle so much that he wouldn't talk to him ever again. Now Catholics are notorious for blaspheming the Lord, the Irish especially. But my great uncle, as far as I'm aware, didn't blaspheme in that sense. And I have to commend him for that. And he pulled up his friend. He was so distraught, shocked. In fact, the shock was so intense that we think it brought on 
a decline in his health. But that knocked him for six. Blasphemy, the consequences, the Kennedy family, all Catholic, or other famous people, or even people that you know. You may say, well, my parents are Catholic. You may say, my son or daughter is Catholic. My husband or my wife is a Catholic. Are they healthy? Is life good for them? Are they really radiating holiness? Are people lining up to seek out their counsel? Or do they have problems, health problems? They're under a curse, basically. Going back to the sin of idolatry. The Lord will not wear it. He will not wear it. Time after time, the Jews went into captivity based on idolatry. He would overlook David's behavior, Solomon's behavior, Josiah's behavior, even Manasseh. He put his kids to the fire. He sacrificed his children to Moloch. And the Lord dealt with that severely. Other sins that he would commit, the Lord dealt with Manasseh in a serious way. But when it came to idolatry, he almost destroyed him. He almost killed him. 14 again, ye have said, it is vain to serve God. There's no point to it. We're not getting anywhere. We're still surrounded by Gentiles. We're still on the back foot. Why are you on the back foot? Because you are an idolater. You're worshipping Moloch along with Jehovah. You're not keeping the Sabbath. You're polluting it. Your hearts aren't right. You're filthy. That's why the church is in such a state today. The body of Christ is in a terrible state today. The King James community is split right down the middle. Pre-trib versus post-trib. Premillennial versus amillennial. Lordship salvation versus easy believism. The body of Christ is in a terrible state because we're carnal. We're all carnal. I'm carnal. You're carnal. All of us are in a really bad state, basically. Standing in state. We don't speak up like we should do. We don't pray like we should do. We don't intercede and pray on behalf of our civil leaders and even our leaders in the church, those who preach, those that do what they do for the Lord. We're too busy fighting. And that's why the church is in such an awful state. And the Lord Jesus Christ said when he comes back, will he find any faith on the earth? And the answer was, not really, not much, because people are too busy fighting each other. Ye have said it is vain to serve God. This is blasphemy. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? But they hadn't kept his ordinance. And that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. Go back to Exodus, please. So a handful of verses from the Old Testament, speaking in, or looking at the Jews that were speaking against the Lord, griping murmuring and backbiting look at verse 7 again thou shalt not take the name of the lord thy god in vain jehovah god speaking for the lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain so leviticus 24 16 tells you very clearly that for the old testament if a jew did this and was found out he'd be put to death via stoning that's how serious blasphemy is now there are three parts to blasphemy and for this morning we'll just look at the first part let me say this also, if I may, that the main problem when it comes to blasphemy isn't just what people say, but it's also what they do. It's how you worship the Lord. You substitute real worship for a phony type of a worship. Also, we have to look at acronyms. And the main acronyms, and I don't want to insult anybody when I read these out this morning, but I'm going to read them out anyway so people know what not to do, what not to say. I remember years ago listening to a Peter Rutman sermon. And he preached along the lines of what people should and shouldn't say. And he would list some of the top acronyms. And then 10 minutes later, he's using them himself. Because he, has two na- he had two natures. We all have two natures, but it's still not right. JC, Jesus Christ. I've lost count as to how many times I've heard people use the term Jesus Christ. Back in the 1940s, the Hayes Code came in. And it was decided that Hollywood had to clean up her act. If you go back to the late 1920s, very early 1930s, there was almost nudity in Hollywood movies. People were blaspheming the Lord. 
being disrespectful to Almighty God, to the church in general. And it was decided to clean up Hollywood, and they did. To the credit of the studios, they all signed up to the Hayes Code. And terms like Jesus Christ went out of the window. But what unfortunately crept in were acronyms. And I watched a movie maybe six months ago, a well-known black and white movie. And I noticed that the, there were three actors in this movie, three well-known actors. Just a very quick review of this old movie, which doesn't really mean anything. But it goes some way to show you how people think or thought back in the 40s. Because they couldn't use the term Jesus Christ or Oh God, what they would do is they would create terms. And one of the favourite sound bites in this movie would be Cat's Sake. For Cat's Sake. I'd never heard anybody say Cat's Sake. But of course I know what they were trying to say, but weren't allowed to say. And I got so sick of it that every time this couple would come onto the screen, I just fast forward it. It was almost like they were doing it in protest. So JC, Jesus Christ. OMG, oh my God. Some years ago, I was on a newsletter. I got a newsletter. I was on a mailing list. A very good, yeah, very good newsletter. And the brother sent me this newsletter every month. And he told a story of a lady in his fellowship who was in sales and marketing. And she went to work one morning. It was a shopping mall somewhere in the south of England. And to her shock, the company had brought this new banner in, this new display board. And on the board, it was OMG. And she said to her manager, I can't stand with that behind me. It's an offence to me. To her credit, not only did she take a stand, but to her credit, and as the Lord, as I, I believe the Lord blessed her for this, the company took it down. And I said to the brother who sent me the newsletter, what a wonderful story. This young woman took a stand, said I can't stand in front of that. It's an offence to me. And her company said, you know what? We respect that. Sometimes it helps if you open your mouth. I know a bus driver. He went to work one morning and he was given a bus to drive. And it said, there's probably no God, just enjoy yourself. And he said to himself, I'm not driving that bus. And there was a big standoff, and the queue was starting to build. People wanting to get on the bus to go to work. And he said, I'm not going to get on the bus. I'm not going to drive it. And the union got wind of this, backed him up, incredibly, and the bus depot had to send another bus. They had to switch the buses over for this Christian bus driver. Sometimes, if a Christian takes a stand, the evil people of this world will capitulate. Gee whiz! Gee whiz, have you heard that one? Gee whiz. I hear this a lot. Kent Hovind likes to use this on a regular basis. He should know better. He's been married three times. He's an expert when it comes to creation. He's now post-tribulation. And yet Kent Hovind likes to use this term, gee whiz. I get sick of hearing that. It's an acronym. He won't come out and say Jesus Christ, because if he says that, people are going to switch him off in their droves. So he will use an acronym, gee whiz. I get sick of it. How about Jeepers Creepers? That's not so common now. That was very popular back in the 40s and 50s. Frank Sinatra recorded a song called Jeepers Creepers. Of course, you know what it means. It's Jesus Christ. There was a movie made, I think, five or six years ago called Jeepers Creepers. It's a horror movie. I wouldn't watch it. You couldn't pay me to watch it. How about gosh? People say gosh. G-O-S-H. Gosh. They're trying to say God, but they're being polite, you see. How about golly? They want to say God, but they won't say God, so they say golly. How about jumping Jehoshaphat? Again, it's a 40s term. You haven't heard it, and you probably haven't heard it in a long time. But if you're like me, familiar with the silver screen, this is a description to describe Jesus Christ. Jumping Jehoshaphat or jumping Jehovah. But they can't say it, so they weren't allowed to say it back in the 40s, so they had to pick acronyms. Gosh darn. How about that one? Gosh darn. Heaven's sake. How about that? For heaven's sake. These are all acronyms for blaspheming the Lord. And if you are a saved person, you need to stop doing this. Again, Rutman, 
I've got sermons of him standing up explaining to his congregation that these are acronyms which shouldn't be used, are wicked, are deplorable, are blaspheming the Lord. And then five minutes after preaching, he starts to use some of these. He's forgotten what he's just said. Crikey. How about that one? Crikey. I got an email some years ago from a brother who got saved. And he said this to me. He said, uh, James, I believe that you are of the belief that the term crikey means Christ. Is that true? And I said, yes, it does. And he said to me, I've got a problem. And I said to him, what's your problem, brother? He said, well, I've got a pet lizard called Crikey. I now feel torn. I feel uneasy, unhappy about calling my pet lizard Crikey anymore. And I said to him, well, you know what to do. You don't need me to tell you what to do. Nine times out of ten, when people contact us for advice, they know what to do. They know exactly what to do. But he wanted to have a reassuring email. He was really struggling. And I never found out what he did about that dilemma of his but to be fair to him when he got the lizard he wasn't saved and after giving it the title the name crikey he got saved now he realized what it represented and it grieved him thou shalt not take the name of the lord thy god in vain for the lord will not hold him or her guiltless that taketh his name in vain some years ago i came back from an outreach in manchester and i saw a group of christians from a local church that used to do street work in my town and I walked over to them had a chat with the pastor and one of the ladies in that particular church always courteous nothing wrong with being courteous nothing wrong with being polite and encouraging those that are saved to get the gospel out and we stood around talking the three of us and this car backfired around maybe 100 yards away from where we were standing and the lady said oh god like that and I turned looked at the pastor and he sort of looked at me as if to say, yes, I know James. She shouldn't have said that, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at the sister. She was looking in another direction. She knew that she had just blasphemed. No one said a word. Old nature, you see. That car backfired. And the first thing that came to her mind, the very first thing that came to her mind was our glorious God. I remember going to London years ago with an elderly brother who's now not so well. And we got outside Buckingham Palace, the three of us, Patrick and I and this elderly brother, and we were speaking to a group of, I think, German students. Yeah. And they were all gathering around, the three of us, and laughing and joking. We had our banner up at the time. And one of the kids started to blaspheme the Lord. And this elderly brother said, I bet you can't blaspheme the devil, can you? You always blaspheme God, but you never blaspheme the devil. And he was absolutely right. Many times kids pick this up from their parents. I guess if you're raised in a typical family... And your father and mother are blasphemers on a regular basis. JC this, OMG that, or using acronyms uh, to cover up what you really want to say. Your kids are going to grow up to want to blaspheme and will blaspheme. I remember watching a Barry Smith sermon years ago, a video of his years ago. And he was at an event somewhere in Australia with his uh, son. And there was this guy standing right in front of them getting really upset it may have been a racing event, some vain event, I don't know what it was. And this kid was blaspheming, OG this, OG that, JC this, JC that. And old Barry Smith, who had a temper on him, said, I wanted to shake the guy. I wanted to shake him to stop him from blaspheming. I know what that's like. I know exactly what that's like. Some years ago, I went to work one morning and a guy came in. He was a regular. He was employed by the firm that I worked for at that time. And my heart always sunk when he came in. I knew what was going to happen. He was a Catholic by birth, but was at an Anglican church at the time that I knew him. And unfortunately, he would sit right in front of me. And within five minutes of arriving, loading up his computer, his laptop, he started to get stressed, started to get angry, 
ah, JC this and JC that and OMG this and OMG that. And I used to challenge him. And it got quite heated a few times. And I thought to myself this, I need to be careful what I say here because I'll be fired. You start pulling up people who aren't saved. They don't care for you one bit. At that very place, my former boss was a blasphemer. One occasion I sat down with him and he was trying to get the computer to do something which it wouldn't do. He blasphemed. And I got up, walked out, went into a side room for a few minutes and then came back and sat down. I couldn't challenge him. You can't challenge your boss. And if you do, you may be fired. There's different ways sometimes to challenge blasphemers. It's okay if you don't work with these people, but if you do, what are you going to do? One occasion I went to the barber shop. Hadn't been saved very long. Guy was cutting my hair and there was a guy behind the barber and these two were having a conversation and the barber blasphemed. And I was so shocked that I got up, paid the bill, went home, thought about it, wrote him a letter and put a tract in the letter. Went back to the barber shop a week later or maybe less, less than a week later, put the letter through the letterbox. And in essence, I pretty much told him off. I wasn't rude. I wasn't abrasive, but I told him that what he had said was wrong. And I said to him also, you say you are a Christian. And this guy did say he was a Christian. That's what makes it even worse. He wasn't an atheist. He would always talk about the church that he attended. I think he was a Methodist from memory. And I said in my letter, you call yourself a Christian and yet you blasphemed the Lord as you were cutting my hair. I'm a Christian. I don't care for that. And I gave him the verses and I enclosed a gospel tract. These are all ways to respond to the sin of blasphemy. But most Christians have to be careful what they say. I understand that. I've had to be careful what I've said in the past. Sometimes I've just let it go. Other times I haven't. So on one occasion I was having a coffee with a group of people and there was a young uh, party that was joining us for a coffee and we were chatting as adults do and the young party said JC and looked straight at me to see what I would say, what I would do and I knew why he did that. He wanted to get a reaction you see. And I said to him don't say that, don't blaspheme the name of the Lord, use my name. Use my name if you want to use anyone's name to express your disgust. And I said, use my name. Don't use the name of the Lord. And he looked a bit embarrassed because I challenged him in front of his mother, who didn't say a word, incidentally. And other adults are present. And some years later, I'm happy to report that he professed faith in Christ. I don't know if that was to do with what I had said. I won't take any credit for it. But I've said this over the years many, many times. And I'll say it now just for the sake of this message that if you're in the presence of somebody who blasphemes the name of the Lord and you're able to speak up, not always possible, I know. But if you are able to speak up, respond by saying this. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Take my name in vain. My name is James Battell. Use my name to express disgust. Don't use Jesus Christ's name. Use my name to express disgust. That will shock people. Many times they don't know they're even saying it. It's a bad habit that they picked up going back to childhood. Like I say, Catholics are the worst for blaspheming, especially the Irish. I'm not sure what it's like with the Mexicans or the Spaniards or the Italians or the French, but I know the Irish are notorious for it. And if you can speak to a person who blasphemes, don't get too angry. Don't start shouting and screaming. Don't lower yourself to their level. They're not saved. But just speak calmly, like I have done in the past, and say, use my name if you want to express your disgust. Never use the name of the Lord. Seven again and I'll close. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Old Testament, it is out. New Testament, it is out. For the Lord, triune Lord, will not hold him or her guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And there are three types of blasphemy. We've looked at one, 
today and I'm going to suggest for the next Sunday or two we will look at the other two areas of blasphemy which are also worthy of discussing very concerning endemic and as Christians we need to be aware that there are different ways to blaspheme in the name of our great God and Savior we need to quit doing it if we're saved and if you're not saved then you too are going to be condemned for doing this and also be aware of this that when you die as an unsaved man or an unsaved woman you go to hell obviously first of all for rejecting the lord jesus christ but once you arrive in hell you pay for your sins sins of blasphemy third commandments creating a god in your own image or another god second uh commandments and also the first commandment having graven images putting them before the one true god bowing down and worshiping them in essence the first and the second commandment are very near they're very similar but if you breach the first and the second then as far as I can see, it's all downhill for you. And by the time you hit the third commandment, you're really are at the point of no return, almost at the point of no return. So be aware of that. And again, if you are a Christian and you use these acronyms, quit doing it. You're hurting your testimony. You're not glorifying the Lord. You're hurting your own testimony. And you're also blaspheming Almighty God.